0: Hello and welcome from the Rookery End. Uh, my name is John. Uh, with me this evening is Jason. Hello there. Mike as well. All right, fellas. Oh, now it's always a, a weird Mike. I wonder what Michael will turn up after a Watford loss. <laughs>
1: um,
0: and uh, I'm going to go with slightly down Michael, even though even, it's, it's Monday evening now. We don't want to call this on a Saturday or Sunday. Um, but uh, is this because of the game or, or are you not
1: feeling very well? A bit of both, really. Uh, I don't know how much I can attribute him not feeling well to uh, Watford's performance on Saturday. It's just so frustrating, isn't it? I was I was following the game from afar, and it felt like we um, it felt like we were in with a decent shout from what I could gather. I was following it on the on a on a feed, and it sounded like we were doing okay. And then all of a sudden, two 0 down, game over.
0: Yeah we're going to talk to we are doing do slightly differently uh today. Um we uh it's, it's not always it, sh- it shouldn't always at least be uh the three of us record, uh talking what we uh think about what for. We're trying to get as many what for fans on this podcast as possible. And we have a count of 11 on this uh, including us three. Uh the first one was um it was uh it was Saturday after the game. Um we got a barrage of uh, of of tweets, didn't we, Mike? From um, Mike Smart.
1: Yeah, I think it's a bit hard to call them a barrage. I think it was a, a nicely crafted thread of tweets. Um, I think how many was there in total? Uh, nine nine yeah. in total. Um, and I think they I think they summed the mood up pretty perfectly. And um, they were helpful for um, for those of us that weren't at the game. And I, I suspect they were quite cathartic for Mike himself as well, as he sat in the car park after uh, watching that misery unfold.
0: I spoke to Mike on uh, Sunday lunchtime. Uh, a good. Uh, 12, 16 hours after the actual uh, game, uh, to, to go through each of those points that he made while sat in the car uh, trying to get out of a car park, I suspect, in the wonderful cultural city of Hull. So, number one, you said it was it was bloody awful. Was it was it all bloody awful, all 90 minutes, Mike?
2: Do you know, I, I don't think it was. Uh, reflecting on it, actually, at half-time... I think the mood was reasonably positive. We were in control, and I actually thought we were edging it before the sending off. But certainly after the sending off, we we appeared to be in total control. But without really looking like scoring, we had a couple of promising moments from set pieces. But that was about it. And that's sort of a a reflection of some of the more frustrating games of our season, really, that, uh, that that's been the problem. And then into the second half, you want them to come out all guns blazing. And, and for a while, it continued to be comfortable, but we still didn't look like we were we were going to score. When Hull did get the breakaway, it didn't come as a huge surprise. But the big frustration is that once that goal went in, I don't think there was any real belief among the fans or among the players that it was going to be anything other than a defeat. That's the real frustration for me. Yeah,
0: because the two goals that they scored, you know, one was a really good break and, yeah. you know, some lovely crossing to sort of really, you know, absolutely inch perfect cross. And then the second goal was an absolute worldie. So it's hard to sort of get too worked up, let's say, about the the performance, let's say, of, of the defence. It wasn't, there weren't mistakes at least. But then you sort of said, uh, one of your, your many tweets that you said, um, <laughs> you picked out some individuals. So, you know, Akaka a sort of came on and, he, and you say he, he offered nothing but then you also say there's moments of genius and that that's him and his sort of his his uh, his role he's played this season isn't it
2: yeah again this was my immediate post match um, ramblings and and with hindsight picking anyone out for a particular damnation after that performance yesterday is is a bit harsh Akaka does frustrate me i don't see him as a a viable um First choice option. I think he's sort of Devon White deluxe, um, and yeah, he'll have those moments, and he'll be a bit of a nuisance coming off the bench sometimes. But um, I, I don't rate a carker as uh, um, a main option for Watford, and I think that's uh, that's something that we need to uh, address. But yeah, it's probably a bit harsh to single him out for criticism yesterday.
0: I'm in the middle with him. You know, he he has. Scored goals, he has won games uh, with with those goals. But yes. I always have him back in my head. I wonder is it because he hasn't played enough games that he isn't showing us what what he he actually can do? But we're never going to know that, are we? Uh, you mentioned no. uh, Amrabat um, looking good, but that that end product is is still it, he is all hard work, isn't he?
2: Yeah, and pace, and you know people will probably rightly point to the fact that he looks the most likely to make something happen yesterday we've had so many of these players haven't we you know um wingers with pace and a few tricks and so forth um from you know rod thomas anthony mcnamee through to the the really successful ones callahan and barnes and i don't know where amrabat fits in that um there are so many players like him that have got us excited and most of them actually when you look at it they apart from looking pretty they don't contribute an awful lot Now, I haven't done any analysis of it, but I don't know how many goals Amrabat's actually been involved in this season, despite the fact that he has looked very good at times. So uh, I think this is the the challenge for him. I know that he hasn't scored any, um, and that would be nice. But um, uh, that's the challenge for him, that he's got to make sure that he's involved in setting up goals for us and scoring
0: a few, preferably. Yeah, because uh, Jason always talks about how uh, either you've got you're a good crosser or you're a good runner, and there's very rarely both in uh, yeah, in that, in that yeah. sort of role. And, and and Ambrat is sort of slightly playing out of uh, his comfort zone, but doing all right. And uh, <clears throat> we'll we'll see you later in the podcast uh, how he sort of uh, comes out in the uh, in the play of the season chat. But the the, the biggest one, which uh, out of all the we we, we shared on uh, at Watford podcast uh, the thread, and people have come back to look at them, and lots of people have yep. favourited all your, your The tweets you said, but the the eighth one you said has by far got the the most number of uh, uh, likes, or maybe not likes, but um, yes, agreed with. (laughs) Yeah. Said in particular, uh, if you booed Gomez and Dean at the end, uh, please bugger off and never come back. That that was to those two in particular. That is bizarre, isn't it? To to really lay at them, uh, let the blame at them.
2: That's the thing from yesterday that left the uh, bitterest taste, if you like. Um, You know. uh, been going to watch Watford for a long time and seen all manner of rubbish performances, so you know, I'll live with that. Um, and people booing, it's not my way, but I, I don't have an issue with booing per se. And um, if people want to express frustration at a performance in that way, that's fine. What got to me yesterday was that, uh, well, first of all, it was Ted Prodal, who um, I know he's one that is being talked about as potential player of the season in this slightly bizarre season Um, and he came over to the fans and was sent packing with a chorus of boos and then troy came over not the same turned to go away and then came back with gomez and the two of them they came right up to the fans they had the balls to do that they were acknowledging yes that wasn't good enough and you've come all this way and, and we appreciate it and those two in particular should have enough credit in the bank not to uh, expect that sort of treatment, and you know, to be fair, the more Deeney stayed and uh, engaged with a couple of fans, it did sort of break into a ripple of applause from some, but the booing continued from others, and um, just thought that was really unpleasant and uh, unhelpful and unnecessary.
0: Yeah, I always think we need some sort of middle ground. We've got a cheer, and we've got a boo. And the yep. boo always seems a bit too harsh, but maybe that's not what football fans are trying to exactly say. Yeah. Um, but somewhere in the middle, I don't know what quite that noise will sound like, but we will try and figure that one out. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, good luck with that.
0: We've, we've got, uh, you know, we've still got a few games left of the season. Um, lots of people sort of saying that this was the the last set of points we could possibly ever ever get. How, how, how are you going to look ahead to the, the last few games?
2: It's difficult. Uh, I mean, I I live in Birmingham, and Leicester is quite a local um, game for me, and I'm still and and ring about that one. I'll, I'll, I'll probably end up booking a ticket this week if there's something there, left. <laughs> but I don't think it's likely that we're not going to get any more points. I mean, some of our points have come from the most unlikely of games this season, and uh, and I can quite see us putting uh, an uninterested Man City on the last day through the mill a little bit. You know, we'll have to see. But I'm certainly not giving up on uh, on any more points. I think that would be a shame, and it would be the second season in a row that that has happened. And We don't want that to be a thing that we get to the line and then that's it. You know, we need to uh, challenge that. And one of the things that I've seen someone suggest on social media is that this is the players making it known what they feel about Walter. That's a very, very dangerous thing if that's something that players are allowed to do every season. They can get to the mark, down tools because they don't want the manager to be there. I don't think that's what's happening, but certainly that's not something that we would want to allowed to happen. So, yeah, I hope there'll be some bright spots in the next few weeks. I mean, the job is pretty much done. But uh, but no, we can't have this downing of tools being on the beach every year. We can't have that.
3: A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end.
0: The, uh, the tweet that uh, I, I didn't uh, ask Uh, Mike about Mike, Um, that's confusing, was, uh, he said, uh, it it was his fourth tweet, Uh, he said, a great missed opportunity to continue to build goodwill toward Walter Mazzari and the team. We spoke on the last um, few podcasts about what we want the rest of the season to be, especially now we've passed 40 points and
1: technically safe. It, it, It didn't help, did it? No, and I think that's what I meant when I said at the start. I feel really frustrated by it. It just feels like it's another two steps back after, after uh, you know several strides forward with those with those excellent three three home results and achieving forty points and what we what we think is going to be safety, um, and then that game just sort of slipped away from us. And I think Mike's Mike's point about I think there's some, two really really key points that I take out of what Mike said. and one is that once Hull went ahead. We never looked like scoring, and I've heard that from from lots of people who there. Matt Rowson who who wrote his his report, um, check it out if you haven't seen it. But Matt said we never looked like scoring after after Hull went ahead, and that that is worrying. That's concerning, um, because they had ten men. Um, we were had chances in the game. There's no reason we couldn't we couldn't go on and, and and force the issue a little bit more and and try and get back into the game. And it strikes me that uh, and this could and this the second point could be could be linked to this that we're just not set up to to play any other way than to sort of i read on the BBC they said a whole shut up shop after two, uh, after two goals. It's now up to Watford to to take the game to them. But they look they look content with just keeping the ball, and all too often that has, has seemed to be the case this this season. We just sort of all right, we've got possession, but we don't really know what to do with it. Now is that because Matsari has game plan A? We try and stay, in, you know, very similar to Kike in in some respects. Try and stay in the game. Try and nick a nick a goal and then hang on to it. Um, and now. Is he got absolutely no idea how to set a team up other than that? Um, Exhibit A, you know, Hull, the most recent example would would suggest yes. Or is it, we talked about Amrabat in that clip uh, uh, and Akaka, is it we haven't got the players that are good enough to execute an alternative game plan? So for me, I think the whole game reopened some big cracks and concerns about Matsari and his ability to get a, a team playing against, you know, admittedly a team with good home form, but a team that were up against it, were nervous and down to 10 men. But also, have we got the players? Have we got the personnel to, to really compete at a consistent level in the in the Premier League? I think Amrabat is, is incredibly frustrating. And I wonder, uh, the, the big thing for me is his final ball is consistently, consistently poor. Um, he hasn't scored for Watford. Um, his delivery is, is average at best. Um, he's now getting called for, for fouling virtually every other every other time he's in a tussle because he backs in, backs into the defender. He's been found out. And I'm, I'm not digging out Amrabat here because I think he has been one of the, the few bright sparks on a, on a fairly regular occasion. But is he an example of players who aren't quite good enough for us to be consistently performing in the Premier League, is he an example of us not having good enough players for for Matsui to be confident enough to to try different things or to have different game plans or different tactics? I don't know,
0: Jason. The do, you know the where where does the blame go? Are you feeling the 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 these performances, which is not just now past forty points, and they have been before. Do you see it more of a of a? Pointed towards Walter, or are you pointing more towards the players?
4: It's difficult, isn't it? I think it's a, ultimately. I think it comes back to to the manager. The big point, which Mike's already mentioned on Saturday, was that when we went a goal down, players' heads dropped, and as a collective, to to stop those players' heads dropping when we go a goal down, that ultimately is the responsibility of the of the head coach of Walter. Um, Players, you'd hope, would give their best out on the pitch, would give 100%. I can't believe, really, that a bunch of players would stop playing when they think they've reached the, the finish line to because they don't like the, the head coach. If they're not happy with what they've got, then <laughs> maybe I'm too idealistic, but I would imagine them trying to play even harder to try and get themselves a move up and away uh, to somewhere better, if that was the case. And talking about tactics and talking about being able to change it, we, we know he can change it defensively. We saw him do that last week against Swansea, uh, when he brought Cabaselli on to adapt to the substitution that they made. Didn't quite work, so we made another change where he brought Carker on and, and all of a sudden we looked a lot more solid. But yeah, it's, these, it's the attacking changes that we do seem to, to struggle with. And I'm trying to think of a game where he's actually had to make a change and we've turned the game around um and i can't I, I can't think of one i i remember we came from behind against everton but we didn't really change it we we turned it around in the first half and then won it early on in the second half with some set, good set pieces we almost got back into it against southampton but then immediately threw it away again is it is it the italian thing is it is it Catanaccio? is walter not necessarily out of his depth but and i, I don't want to say it because i don't i don't agree almost with what i'm saying but it is is he not used to the english game it feels wrong that i should be saying that because he top coaches it shouldn't be a problem but it just at the moment it feels like it is
1: and has he had enough to has he had if that's the case has he had it long enough to adapt um and to change it and is perhaps you know is is Hull away... 10 men, um, you know, let's we're playing against top teams here. I mean, Hull aren't the top team in the, in the true sense of the word, but you know what I mean? They've got stuff to play for. They've got decent players. Um, so it is difficult, but, but that really was a prime opportunity for Watford to, to claim another three points and to, and to end this run of appalling away form. Um, and we didn't take it, but has he had long enough with, with, um, with the, with the players that he would want at his disposal to be able to to adapt to the English game and I think you're probably right I think it is different over here it's it, it, just like it's different in Italy just like it's different in Spain Um you know the game is different at at the top level and you have different different tactics and different methods and things to overcome so i do wonder whether i think you've got a point jace i think he has struggled to to come to terms with it because like you say he hasn't turned the game around i think the one i instantly thought of was was west ham but we sort of battled our way back into that it wasn't a it wasn't a tactical switch that that got us back into it um by the same token, he has delivered some memorable results. You know, Arsenal, Man United, that, that, that West Ham game, beating Leicester and Everton. We we actually played quite well. The Bournemouth game, we, we played well in as well at, at home, certainly. So, but all too often, we go back to it time and time again. When we play poorly, It's we never... We're never in the game at all, you know. Stoke at home, I was angry about. It was only one nil, but we never looked like like winning it. Was it one nil? I think it was. But anyway, we, we we never looked like getting into that game. And this game, like 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 we've heard, where once we went behind, we we never we never go close. When it's bad, it's really bad. We're never close. We're never unlucky. There's never oh we hit the bar late or this that and the other. It's we're so out of games when this happens, and that's that's the thing that that has to be a massive concern. Before I forget, I think it's worth addressing the the booing at the end. I think. I, Hitting that, hitting those guys who who might mention Troy and Aurelio and Sepurdel uh, with booze is it does seem harsh, but by the same token. You've done a four hundred mile round trip to see another capitulation. Um, you have to let you have to vent your feelings. That's what being a football supporter is, and and I think those guys were probably just in the firing line. They fronted up all power to them, and I think they would probably expected exactly what they got. Um, so I will. I'm like Mike. I don't. I don't tend to boo um, at all. It's not not my thing. But I will defend anyone's right to do it. And I think those guys um, fair play to them. They they were there putting their hands up and almost accepting the boos. I'm sure they weren't going over accepting clapping. Uh, expecting claps or a round of applause so um yeah it's wrong to i don't think any of the traveling watford supporters there were, were were venting at those guys specifically i think it was more letting themselves be heard about the performance which i think is is absolutely fine
3: got something to send the boys then email podcast at from the mike's
0: surname is parkin and he's a son called arlo and this is our feature michael parkinson
1: gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkinson Arlo. Arlo how are you?
5: Good.
1: At the weekend Watford lost to Hull as you know not good was it? No. And at the end of the game some of the Watford supporters booed the Watford players because they weren't happy. Do you think that was fair? Yeah. You do think it was fair. What could you do instead of booing, perhaps, to show people that you're unhappy?
4: Make a sad face, maybe.
1: Make a sad face, maybe. That's not a bad idea. All right, mate, well, listen, let's hopefully, uh, hope we don't have to make sad faces at Watford any time. Thank you very much.
5: Thank you.
0: The annual Watford Player of the Season is, is changing its name. Uh, another uh, way of, of the club trying to recognise what Graham Taylor has done today, uh, 24th of April, uh, it is announced that the annual award is to be renamed in memory of Graeme Taylor and it's going to be called the Graham Taylor Player of the Season Award. Uh, It's going to be given out at the end of season awards uh, on Monday the 22nd of May. And voting will start tomorrow, Tuesday, April 25th. There's a lot of dates in there. We're we're going to go through them. The one thing, Jason, is that this isn't an easy choice, is it?
4: No, it's not. We've probably not had the consistent level of good performances from anyone, really, from, from back to front. And even you can include... Gomez and, and Dini in those as well there, there's been a few mistakes from Gomez and Dini bless him has sort of I don't want to say gone missing but he's, yeah. there's been some, some games where he's just not had the influence that you'd want a, a, the big man that he is to, to have on a games. It's, it's one that I think we're all going to have to sit down and have a really good, good think about um, and it's almost picking the, the, the best of a not so good bunch
0: Well, let's try and help people make those choices. We have, over the last couple of weeks and uh, this week, uh, got a different Watford fan to represent a different player who they think has a potential to be the Watford player of the season. We're going to go through them. We're going to go through uh, different groups. First group we're going to go through are the the two men who have won it most recently. Firstly, uh, we had David Cameron Walker, friend and co-host, and he said why Jarello Gomez should be the player of the season.
3: It's been a season of inconsistency at Watford, hasn't it? A lot of players have shone in some games and been utterly appalling in others. But I think Gomez, despite that inconsistency as a team, has been our most consistently reliable performer. He's always the player at every game... I may have doubts about whether some players are going to be there, whether they're going to turn up, whether they're going to produce their best. I'm never worried about Gomez. Never worried at all. And like In games, you're under pressure, you're under the cosh, they're sl- slinging crosses into the box. You know when he's going to come... He's going to get the ball. He cleaned out one of our own players and a on defender in the first half. He's he's so committed. He's so passionate. He's a leader. And he, I know he won the uh, the award last year, and I think he'll win it again this year. And I mean, we've been we've been very lucky over the years to have some brilliant goalkeepers. A lot of goalkeepers have won the Watford Player of the Season over the year. And I don't know whether that, what that says maybe about the rest of our teams <laughs> or maybe how many bad seasons we've had had to rely on our goalkeepers. But he he's brilliant for me. And he's one of my favourite Watford players ever, and I think. It's an interesting comparison tonight. The opposite goalkeeper, Ben Foster, who we know very well. I have to defend Gomez so much to to non Watford fans. They say, oh yeah, but he's always got a rick in him, isn't he? He's a bit of a clown, he's always going to let one in. I saw what Ben Foster make more mistakes in the two seasons he was with us, as good as he was, than I've seen Gomez make in two and a half seasons that he's been with us. He's a brilliant goalkeeper and he does so much more for us than the occasional mistake that he has made. And In a season where it is difficult to pick... the best player of the season, I'd I'd go for him again.
0: And what of Troy Deeney? Andy Lewis from the Hornets' Nest told us why he thinks he should be winner of this trophy for the third time.
3: Having one player of the season in 2014 and 15, last season was simply an anomaly. And it's time now to return to normality. Troy deserves the award not just for being our top goalscorer, but because he's one of the few players who can deliver his acceptance speech in fluent English. (laughs) Something which will come as a breath of fresh air to us as supporters. Troy's generosity also deserves to be acknowledged. And despite reaching the milestone of 100 goals for the Hornets this season, he still found time to score for the opposition. (laughs) In a season where our club identity has been questioned and fans divided, Troy has helped keep us together and he's arguably had greater responsibilities as captain off the pitch more so than on it. The way he conducted himself with the media after GT's passing, for example, was a credit to the club under difficult circumstances. Our captain, our talisman and a club legend don't make this another Brexit or Trump vote, Dini. Jason, you were sort of, sort of critical of those
0: two players just then. Has that helped <laughs> change your mind at all? If you had to pick one of them this year, um, we always have to forget everything they've done in the past. Uh, which one of those two do you think you know can be the, the 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 man to lift the trophy?
4: Well, first of all, I'd like to say I, th- I think I worded it even. Aurelio Gomez and Troy Dini <laughs> have been inconsistent as if it was a big yes, a surprise. Um, it, I think if I had to pick out of those two I would go with Gomez and as we stand today I think Gomez will probably be in my top three. Um, and yes, there have been inconsistencies. Southampton, I mentioned earlier it was probably his mistake that, that put Southampton back in front. And he was a bit flappy last week as well, so it's still there. But ultimately, I think he has been a rock-solid goalkeeper for us still this season. It's hard not to like Gomez. He still shows that passion and excitement like a, a young kid playing football. I mean, when we score, his celebrations alone are just fantastic. And it's when we're talking about a team that where heads seem to drop when we're struggling, it's nice to see such enthusiastic passion from a player still out there in Watford Colours.
0: Mike, the thing I've, 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 before we, when we originally, I was originally put this podcast together. The the thing I didn't know, this this is going to be called the Graham Taylor player of the season. Is either one of those two sort of really sum up the, who Graham Taylor is and, and the values
1: the man had? I think they're two. They're both very different people to to Graham Taylor. Obviously, different age and so on and so forth. But I think Andy's comments about Troy's um, off pitch um, work and and commitment I think deserves um, some uh, some acknowledgement. And uh, and I think he more than anyone probably, strangely enough, if you think about when when Troy joined the club and how how he struggled to start with, and then obviously the trials and tribulations since then. I think if anything, anyone at Watford now epitomises, um, well, certainly in the playing staff, anyone epitomises the the Graham Taylor spirit, if you like. It's Troy. He understands the the community aspect of the thing. He understands the link between supporters and uh, and the, and the club and the team. You know, we talked about him at Harley. He, he's gone over and taken a, a battering. He was very very honest on on match of the day afterwards. He gives away his boots. He gives away his shirts and so on and so forth. So, I think he he gets it um and he understands the importance he has as club captain um he understands his importance to the club he understands his importance to the to to the supporters and i think he acts accordingly and i think he deserves um we praise him a lot um but i think that i think it's deserved a lot of people might might complain that he's beginning to know sort of he's a bit he's almost like the spokesman he almost is the Watford spokesman really at the moment with uh with Matsari not not with the communication issues there you you hear more from Troy more than than anyone else, really, for from Watford. So some people, I think, it might grate a little bit to to be honest. But, but from my point of view, I think um, yeah, he's he's very much. You could see Troy, the the current incarnation of Troy, in that Watford team of the of the eighties, couldn't you? I think he he'd fit into that in terms of the whole whole club ethos. And I think both of those guys get Watford. Uh, they're two players that the supporters can identify with. Um, and you're not going to be surprised to see any, any of them on the, on the, on the shortlist for the, for the award, and they would both deserve it.
0: OK, so let's move on. They're the two most recent winners. Let's look at some guys who are in their second season with the club. Uh, and have they been able to make a bigger impact at the second attempt? Uh, Hornet Heaven creator and sometimes co-host here from the Recrind, Ollie Oli Wicken, is uh, here to tell us why Norden Amrabat should, be pick, up, why Norden Amrabat should pick up the trophy uh, because he sums up Watford's season as a man
6: perfectly. I reckon he symbolises our season in six ways. Way one. Like the whole team, Nordin got off to a much better start than we expected. On paper, things didn't look promising. The initial fixtures for the team looked tough and the new formation looked tough for Amrabat. But in mid-September, Watford and Nordin were doing great. Way two. Before he became a footballer, Nordin Amrabat used to work in a Michelin-starred restaurant. Did you know that? His job was an unglamorous one, washing dishes. The parallel is that these days he plays for an unglamorous team in the star-studded Premier League. Way three. Like the whole team, Nordin wasn't pretty to watch. The way he beats his man involves grabbing the fullback's shirt and grappling him aside. It's much more like watching Greco-Roman wrestling than the twinkle-toed artistry of Stuart Scullion or John Barnes. Way four. Yet, like the whole team, Nordin was capable of performances great enough that you'd want to go back and watch them in Hornet Heaven. Ooh, shameless plug. At home to Hull, for example, Nordin had their left-back quite literally on toast with lashings of butter piled high with marmalade. It was delicious to watch. Way five. Like most of the team, he suffered an injury that kept him out for a while. But Nordin's injury summed up our season more than anyone else's. It stopped him from playing in the African Cup of Nations, which meant that, like fans watching Watford games for much of this season, he could actually have been doing something more interesting. Way six. By being substituted, He's left each of the last five games early, which is what many of our fans have done too. So there you have it. I'll give you Nordin Amrabat. Not our best player this season, but the player who best sums up the way the season's gone. He's done fine, actually. But you can't help thinking that things could have been a little bit better.
0: And what of Valen Barami? Well, one man stood up to praise Valon. And it's a strange thing that he's being praised because he's our very own undertaker, David Levy.
7: In a season where there hasn't been an obvious candidate for player of the season, I'd like to make the case for valiant Valon Barami. With creaking knees, he's been a vital presence in midfield this season. And as one of the only midfielders in the squad who can actually tackle, his astonishing energy and work rate provided much-needed leadership in a team that often plays without responsibility or identity. He's even limited himself to six bookings this season. In particular, his performance at West Ham away stands out, where he drove Watford forward from 2-0 down and seemed to cover every inch of the pitch in East London. He was also brilliant in the first half at Arsenal, possibly the finest 45 minutes of Watford performance of the modern era, and provided the defensive platform that allowed Messrs Capoue, Cleverly, and Niang to drive the team forward. Meza Erzel was very lucky to be let out of Vallon's pocket at the end of the game. But perhaps... Barami's value is most appreciated when his injury has curtailed his appearances. Despite the emergence of Abdullahi Yaya Dukouré in recent weeks, I can't help but feel that the gaping holes in our midfield that Messrs. Ali, Son, and Eriksen exploited so well at Spurs on Saturday wouldn't have been there if Vallon was playing. Now, I don't expect to see him at Watford next season because of his knees, and more's the pity. The Pozzo's, as a priority, will need to assign a defensive midfielder. The thing is about Vallon is sometimes you don't know what you've got until it's gone. Oh, and he's got the best teeth at Watford since John Eustace. That's uh,
0: certainly a good case that David puts forward, especially about the teeth, isn't it, Mike?
1: Well, anything that mentions John Eustace is uh, is fine by me. Big hello uh, if you're listening, John. Um, yeah, I think I think Barami's great. I'm a huge fan of him. I know that some people aren't. Um, but I think, as Dave said, I think the what he said mentioned at the end there. apart from the teeth, about you don't recognize what you what you've got until he's gone. I think it is it is a really valid point because he does a lot of the dirty work. He he does a lot of the stuff that Tom Cleverley is now doing actually, but perhaps with a bit more of a a flourish actually, with with credit to Tom. But he does a lot of the the hard work that allows you know the likes of Etienne Capoue to, to loll around the place and uh, and do his thing. And he snaps into tackles. He's tough. He's. Um, He's, he's hardcore, he's very similar to John Eustace in that respect, back in the Championship John Eustace used to sort of patrol around the uh, midfield making sure that no, that no one got too big for their boots, he always had the, a word in the ear with the referee to make sure that he saw all the dodgy stuff that the opposition were uh, inevitably doing to us and, and Barami's actually done a bit of that this season as well, he's almost, he's taken on a, a sort of vice-captain's role I've noticed a bit in certainly uh, calming players down and he, I've seen him on numerous occasions, sort of, for example have a word with Holobas and and try and keep people calm and more and so geeing them up as well. So I think it's a bit of big shame that he's been in and out of the, the side with, with injury, but um, I'd be surprised to see him on the, on the list because of it. But I think, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think he's been... Much much better than we had probably had any right to expect uh, over the, over the course of his Watford career to date, and and if as Dave suggests it, this is his last season, uh, I'll uh, I'll be sad to see him go. Uh,
0: we've already talked about Amrabat on the podcast about how maybe what was a, a great energy the first few games of the of the season uh, since his return, uh, maybe the 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 energy uh, was has been there, but with the the end product and the sort of. Yeah, maybe he's not being the complete player that we uh, were dreaming of uh, whilst he was Practice ended. your ruddy
1: cross in Nordin. Practice your ruddy cross in
7: Nordin.
3: <laughs> <laughs> A podcast by Watford fans, for Watford fans.
0: <laughs>
3: this is from the Rookery End.
0: Let's go on let's go on to some players who um, like the last two the last two missed massive chunks of the season but had a great beginning to the season uh, the next bunch are players who have only played half the season the second half of the season have they done enough uh, to play every single one of them uh, didn't make an appearance till, uh, didn't make a decent appearance until after Christmas uh, two of them are in fact former players of the season um, was too little football um, enough? No. Uh, have they played too little football to, to get your vote. Uh, the first one uh, is uh, being summed up by Bradley Hayden, who writes the Watford blog. Uh, and he says, why well, he thinks Adrian Mariapa should be your choice.
8: In a season full of inconsistencies, there is only one player who I feel is worthy of the player of the season award. He may have only made a handful of appearances since returning to the club last summer, but this player has been a consistent and reliable figure whenever he has played, something you haven't been able to say about too many of the other Watford players this season. I am of course talking about the legend that is Adrian Mariapa, a player that has been outstanding ever since he returned to the starting lineup, putting in a string of impressive and consistent performances. Against West Brom, he came on in a difficult moment and helped to steady the ship winning a number of headers and tackles at the back. As Walter Mazzari said after the Swansea game, he was like a sponge. Nothing got past him, meaning that the Swan's top scorer, Fernando Lorente barely had his sniffle game, meaning that he ran just a measly 20 metres. Mariapa is by no means the best player in the world, but put him anywhere in the starting lineup, and you can always rely on him to perform. Added to this, he has taken up the role of having the best beard at the club, a role that hasn't been assumed since the wonderful Marco Cassetti left vicarage Road in 2014. So if that isn't enough to persuade you, then I'm not sure what else will. So please, if there's one thing you do today, then hashtag VoteMaps.
0: Adam Newsom, who you, you probably remember as the Watford Sea reporter on the Watford Observer, now works at FootballWhispers.com and he wanted to represent... Midfielder Tom Cleverley, the only man I know so far who has won the trophy whilst on crutches. But Adam thinks he's the man to win the trophy again this year.
9: I think the fact we're even talking about Tom Cleverley as a potential Watford player of the year speaks volumes about how much he's contributed to the team since he joined in January. I mean, he came in at a time that looked pretty grim for Watford in in truth. I mean, they'd they'd had that awful run in December and January and they'd been knocked out of the cup to Millwall um, and things did look a bit... uh, Desperate at the time, but uh, obviously cleverly came in, brought a feel-good factor back to to the club because he was a, a player who sort of represented the history a little bit. Um, and he's and he's played very well. He's breathed new life into the Watford midfield, which was looking very workmanlike without the likes of Pereira and obviously Zarate got injured as well. But he's come in and he's played more key passes per game than any Watford player. He's got more assists than capoo this season, despite coming in January. And Watford have lost just four of the twelve games that he's played in the Premier League. So. I think you look at it and say if he'd come in, in in the summer and perform like he has done, he'd be the standout candidate, which is why I think he's, he's up for discussion as a potential player of the year. And finally, from the players who, who didn't
0: quite play at the beginning of the season, Abdou Decore, our friend Geordie, uh, who co-hosts with us, uh, says that this young player uh, should be the man to take your vote.
10: So my nomination goes to a guy who's only got nine starts at the moment, and that's Abdoulaye Dekore. The reason is this. Since he came into the team, the dynamic has completely changed. He's arguably the only player in the squad who doesn't have a like-for-like replacement. Nobody can match his energy, no one covers as much ground. Nobody, in particular, is able to combine protecting the defence when we are out of possession to always providing an option to the hopeless punt-up to an isolated Troy Deeney when we are in possession. And in our own half, where we often receive the ball under pressure from defenders or from the goalkeeper or fellow midfielders. And he holds onto the ball to enable attacking players to move forward and find space. He has a 92.5 passing success rate, and in a side that collects yellow cards like Pokémon, he's only committed around five fouls. In must-win games like the recent ones against Swansea and West Brom and Sunderland, his presence, hasn't, his presence hasn't only been key to us winning, but winning without conceding. So without him, it all falls apart, and we go back to the lackluster performances of just before uh, of around Christmas, when we, our midfield has been dominated and Kapu, Kapu was completely invisible. So, Decore isn't just the player of the season for this season, he's the foundation upon which our attacking game will be built next season when we can add the likes of Pereira and Zurate to Troy, Nordin Amrabat, Nyang, Success, and anyone else the Potsos are able to bring in. So, my plea is this don't ignore the foundations. The Watford player of the season for 2016 17 has to be Abdullah Decore.
0: I'd love to give it to Maps because he's Maps and he's been part of the club for a very long time, it was back. Again, though, cleverly because he's back again and we know him really well. And Decoré because we well, love a young player and, and seeing them flourish. But Jason, you've got to pick just one of them. Which one of those three are you going to pick?
4: Wow, <clears throat> it's difficult. I I have to say no to Maps. I think he he has done well when he's come in, um, but yeah, two and a half games is <laughs> not quite not quite enough.
0: Bless. Him. And the Millwall game and the Millwall game.
4: Well, yeah, there's, and I'm trying to think if he played in Gillingham as well when they were, yeah, two poor performances. And then it's between Cleverly and Decore. Cleverly started well. it has been a f- the odd game or two recently where his passing has let him down a little bit. Decore almost the flip. He sort of when he first came in and and had sort of the odd fleeting appearance. It didn't look like much was going on there, but then all of a sudden. Um, in recent games, he's, he's looked very good and Geordie has quite rightly said could be the foundation from which we, we build on for, for seasons to come with a much better fit, uh, hopefully attacking lineup. So I, I'm going to give Decore his due and I will pick him from that triumvirate.
0: OK, so they're the players who uh, have come back this year. Um, two more players that are in their second season uh, with Watford during our second season in the Premier League. Um, the uh, winner of the, pre- uh, the player this season isn't often a defender. It goes to the glory boys of the goal scorers often. Uh, so our mate Kieran Tavum, who co-hosted a few weeks ago, uh, is keen for you to vote for Sebastian Prudel.
11: So I am picking Sebastian Prodal for my Watford player of the season because to a man, I think he is the individual in our back line who stands up and is counted. I think it would be fair to say that our defensive record has not been great this season. And I think uh, alongside some of our other centre-backs, Sebastian can look a little bit uh, suspect. But I think that if you look at the game, certainly at home to Manchester United, is the one that sticks out. United have lost only three games this season. One of them was against us. What a fantastic performance. And from what I remember in that game, it wasn't just the goals, but Sebastian Prodel had Zlatan Ibrahimovic in his pocket for 90 minutes. Now, how many defenders can say that they've done that this season? The 2-1 win away at Arsenal as well. Seb alongside the other center back superb, especially in that second half when we were under the cosh. And let's be honest... Not only is he a battering ram who will put his head in the way of anything, throw his body in the way of anything, but he's also a very beautiful man and I expect to see him in Hollywood movies after his retirement. So that is why I am selecting Sebastian Prodel as my Watford Player of the Season.
0: Now, some of you may think that Pete Bradshaw's choice of Player of the Season is a a little out there. He's here to tell you why your vote should go to Jose
7: Holabas.
5: Jose Holabas might think that's an unusual choice, but just think, what are the criteria for it? Well, to be a player of the season, first thing, you've got to play most of the games. He's certainly done that. He's kept injury-free, and he's one of the first names on the team sheet. Passion? Yep, ticks that box. Maybe sometimes too passionate with the yellow cards that come out, but in a season where we've criticised some players for their lack of passion, that's certainly not ever been a problem with the Greek left-back. And he's skillful. Yeah, he's a he's a defender, first and foremost, and he does that job very well good at distributing good at reading the game intercepting tracking the winger giving some of the wingers a torrid time actually this season but he's also good going forward he's scored two goals two great goals actually Middlesbrough West Ham four assists great at taking corners three kicks crossing the ball an all-rounder and he's adaptable played at wing back when we had three at the back at the start of the season now playing full back when we've got four at the back and as the season's gone on, yellow cards have become fewer, his temperament's improving, but he's also helping with Niang, young lad, up in front of him, get into the team, get into the English game. And then we have to think about the competition. There's one player of the season. Who else is challenging our Jose? Not many people have played as many games, not many people have been as consistent as him, and not many people have been, has been as influential as him. And I don't think there's anybody who you can tick all those boxes against. So, player of the season, 16-17 for me, Jose Holovas.
0: Now, uh, Kieran's clearly using a tactic there, Mike, um, to get your vote and your <laughs> uh, good ladies' vote by pointing out Prudel's uh, charming good looks. But if we can put those to one side, I know it's quite hard for you to do that. Um, as two defenders, um, I think we did the vote early on in the season, we would have said Prudel. If we're doing it now, he seems to not quite be as dominant as he was. Um, and, and we have talked over the last month or so just about the sort of the, the, the how much uh, Jose Holabas has improved. Could you give your vote to Jose over Sebastian? Yeah,
1: I could. Um, I absolutely could. I just—I uh, mean, I'm not going to lie. I did sort of drift away as uh, as Kieran was uh, was waxing lyrical about uh, about Big Seb there, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's—I uh, had one of those sort of uh, uh, what they call daydream moments. Yeah, of a sort of frolicking in a in a meadow with. Uh, anyway, we'll we'll stop it there, but. <laughs> When he's when he's playing when he's on the song, Sebastian Prödl is is elegant. He's composed. He's in control. He looks absolutely fantastic. I think this season has been interrupted a couple of times by by injury, and he hasn't just he just for me he hasn't had that consistency this year. I think when when he's on his game, I mean Kieran mentioned the, the United game, and there've been been other occasions. Um, he just looks, uh, you know, he's he's great. He looks almost too good for Watford. I think he looks absolutely um, magical, but. Jose Holabas, for me, his sort of Watford career seems to be going in the right direction in terms of he seems to be improving. He seems to be getting um, more and more out of him with each with each passing week. And I think that's important because I think uh, he, he's he has struggled in uh, uh, in in particular phases and particular games and we've seen his the discipline side of things and perhaps people are questioned, you know there's one time when he got substituted and he took him about three and a half minutes to get off the pitch when we were we were behind and uh, but recently you know we've said it before he's been more focused he's been more dynamic he's been more uh, disciplined' um, he's, he's offered something going forward as well as uh, being a, a fairly solid and um, uh, you know he's difficult to play against he's real hardcore isn't he he's, he means it and um, uh, he's a tough guy and so as as a left back he's uh, or whatever you want to whatever you call him he, um, i think he's a great player and i think i'd really like to hold on to him i don't think we've seen the best of him i think we're moving towards seeing uh, seeing the best of someone who let's not forget has got a wealth of uh, of european and, and international experience so i think he's going to be someone that we can uh, that, that will be helpful because like um, uh, like Pete said, he wears his heart on his sleeve, and I think that's important. We need more people like that. We need those guys, the rabble rousers. Those are going to sort of um, demand more from from each other. We we want the players to. We know the head coach has got a massive job on to, uh, to to get the best out of the players, but also we want the players to drive each other on and and to expect excellence from each other. And I think I think Jose Holobas is one of those. And I think uh, if we can hang on to him. Um, it would be uh, be a good move, and I think he'd be a worthy winner. Absolutely worthy winner. I think the discipline thing might um, might uh, make it hard for people to vote for him, but I think he's been uh, um, I think he's been great for us.
0: Right, you got thirty seconds thinking time. Which player are you two picking for the play of this season? This a little bit we've done here now. This isn't us trying to tell you who should vote for. It's up to you. Um, but hopefully, some of our fans who've got involved uh, will help you. Uh, remember some moments and some reasons why so thank you to dcw thank you to andy thank you to ollie thank you to david thank you to uh adam thank you to bradley thank you to kieran thank you to pete and thank you to geordie for uh, their contributions to this podcast jason in a word who's it going to be gomez mike who's going to be I've talked myself into it. Hollabass. <laughs> the voting starts tomorrow for the inaugural Graham Taylor Player of the Season uh, and it will be handed out at the end-of-season awards evening at Wembley Stadium on Monday, the, May the 22nd, the day after the Manchester City game. Uh, make sure you go out and vote. Vote early uh, and vote as often as you can.
1: We're the Orns, you're the
3: Orns. Go!
0: Up next, boys, uh, Liverpool. I'm sort of thinking, it, however bad the Hull game was, this could easily be a win for Watford because I think the players seem to want to play the big games. That um, uh, We've seen it against Arsenal, we've seen it against Manchester uh, United. Uh, I, I've, I've got a feeling that one of these games, I've said before, one of these games against one of the big clubs, we'll, we'll get some points. If it's not Liverpool, it'll be Chelsea. That's what I'm thinking. I'm a, I'm a delusional, Jason.
4: Yeah, I, I, it's probably more of an opportunity than maybe we realise when obviously we all remember the calamitous defeat up at Anfield. Um and I think we 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 met up against the Liverpool side at the wrong time. They had all their uh big guns playing, but now they're they're Lalana Lalana less. Can you say that? Is that a word? Yeah, yeah, we'll go with it. We'll go
2: with
4: it. Yeah, I've got it, Lalana less. Um they're Mane-less that's a lot easier to say.
2: Uh, <laughs> and
4: and they just seem to be Lacking a bit of oomph about them now, a disappointing result for them against Palace at the weekend, um, and they're not great travellers either. So there probably is more of an opportunity there to to give them a doing than uh, than perhaps we we realise. Obviously, we still need to be wary of the likes of, of Coutinho um, and Firmino. I'm guessing they're both still available and they're still tricky players, but they're there for the taking. Let's 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 do it.
0: I'm positive. Jason's positive. Mike, are you positive?
1: Uh, look, I mean, I'd always expect a a a, a, a performance, especially after a, a pretty chastening experience at the weekend. I said before. I think Matsari is on audition. He's on trial. I think this last this last sort of couple of weeks will will dictate to a large extent whether he's here next season what better opportunity to, to do it um, not you know, against one of the biggest clubs in the league uh, they'll be licking their wounds after Palace so they'll be looking for a reaction as well but you've got to expect that these and, and we, we spoke earlier about the players being on the beach it can't be the case it cannot be the case they have to go out there and perform so yeah I'm hopeful and expecting I kind of demand a, a good performance really Um but again you know we talk we talk about about the premier league and what it's like to be a premier league supporter watching your team in action against home, at home against liverpool these are these are the big games that that we look forward to so the summer's a long a long period of time without football. Everyone sort of talks about how it's been a boring season, and and this, that, and the other. It's been a few grumbles. You wait till sort of the end of the end of July when you sort of you, you bite someone's hand off for a ticket away at Woking for pre season friendly because <laughs> you haven't got any football to watch. So you know we've got some some massive matches coming up, and this still could be a really. Decent season for it could be our highest finish in the in the Premier League. Um, we've got players who've proven themselves, we've got Decore coming into form, we've got Niang who's playing for for, for for a contract next year. So there's still a lot to play for this season. Let's not you know, we've done the the player of the of the year award um Nominations tonight, but and already everyone's got a, a an end of season feel to it. But there's so much still to play for, for for this football club. We're still very much in a transitional phase. I I think so. Let's not let's we accuse the players of being on the beach. Let's let's not fall into that trap ourselves. Let's get a a decent atmosphere at, um, at home for Liverpool. Let's get to the the remaining few away games and let's see if we can't make this turn this into a into a season to remember.
0: Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Do uh, vote for the player of the season um, uh, and do make sure when you're uh, at the Vic next week, it's Monday, uh, live on television, uh, Monday night, uh, that you you get behind the boys and and let's, as Mike says, let's have a really great end to the season. And that was a nice positive end to the podcast. I wasn't sure where we're going to go with this week's podcast after losing 2-0 away at 10-man Hull. Uh, But we're we're finishing on a high. Come on, you horns!